Welcome to the Lost Tapes of History podcast. You're about to eavesdrop on the first few minutes of a private conversation between one of England's monarchs and, frankly, someone just trying to do their job. The date is July 1830. William has come to the throne at the age of 64. He is trying to claim his pension from the Navy. Someone from the government has come to assess if he's actually entitled to it. At least he gets to retire. Come. Hello. Can I help you? I'm here to speak to King William. I'm from the Department for Work and Pensions. Ah, yes. I am he. Come in, good lady. Take a seat. Be careful. There's no room to swing a cat in here. Yes, it is rather snug, isn't it? Yes. Cosy. It's like one in, one out. If if a cat does come in, one of us will have to leave. It's chock-a-block, as they say. Spot of grog? I beg your pardon? Rum. Would you like some? Uh, Not while I'm working, thank you. I'll pour you one anyway. Warm you up. July, but okay. I was surprised when I heard they sent someone out. I thought this would be an oversight. Really? I'm now of pensionable age and just wanted to claim it. That's really all the rest of the matter. Of course, it's just that the amount of pension is dependent on the employment record of your time in the Royal Navy. Ah. You need to meet the minimum year's requirement. I'm just here to go through things. Would that be all right? Of course. I have a pretty good memory, all things considered. I'll take some notes if you don't mind. Of course. So, let's start with your first naval appointment. When was that? 12th June 1779. I was 13 years old. I went aboard the 90-gun flagship, the Prince George. 13? That sounds a bit young. My father, the King, thought the Navy would sort out my rebellious nature and short temper. Did it? No! Still, 13 years old must have been a bit of a culture shock. On my very first day, I witnessed a severe flogging. I wrote it down in my diary. I had to ask how to spell ah. Where were you going? We were escorting an envoy of merchant ships bound for the West Indies. That sounds relatively low-key for your first trip. I thought so too, until we were attacked. We managed to get to Gibraltar safely... But once there, I got into a spot of trouble. What kind of trouble? I went ashore on leave, as you do, and got into a fight. Well, that's not too... They had to get me out of prison. Ah, that probably wasn't a good start. I blame the grog. I wasn't used to it. Anyway, next trip was July 1781. Where to? We sailed for America, where we were fighting the colonists. We arrived in September and were there for about five months. What did you think of America? Oh, ghastly. Full of opinionated, self-righteous, religious fanatics. Not much change there, then. The following year, 1782, I was aboard the 50-gun ship Warwick. Ah, that was a painful episode. Not another fist fight. I wish. No, I fell from the rigging. Out of action. Unable to chase or capture the two French blockade runners. I was gutted, I can tell you. 
and my back killed me for an age afterwards. You could have been killed! Luckily, another sailor softened my fall. Wasn't very lucky for him. Anyway, 1783, I was aboard the 98-gun Barfleur in Jamaica, under Admiral Hood. It was there I met Horatio Nelson for the first time. Did you get on? I gave Fanny away at their wedding. You did what? His wife, Fanny. I gave her away at the wedding. Oh, <laughs> bet there were a few drinks flowing that night. I was three sheets to the wind, madam. Yes. And after that? A hangover, usually. No, I meant in your naval career. Then came the unhappiest period in my life. I was sent against my will to Hanover to learn languages and undertake military training. Supposedly, it was to polish my manners. Oh. Uh. Didn't work then. How long were you there? Two hellish years. But on the plus side, I did pick up venereal disease. When you say plus side... By June 1785, I was back in good old England to take my lieutenant's exam. Ah, yes. I have some queries about that. I'll just top up your glass. You made light work of that, by goodness. Thank you. As part of the process, you had to produce certificates signed by your captains. Is that right? Yes, correct. In order to qualify for six years' service, you produced certificates that said you'd served for two years on the ship The Queen. But you just said you were in Hanover. Uh-huh. So, were the certificates signed by captains that you'd never actually worked for? I'm afraid I don't know anything about that. My goodness! Is that a mermaid? Eh? So, then I had to go on the 38-gun frigate Hebe, on a training course around the British coast, learning the ropes, all that. That sounds... quiet. Not in the slightest. At Hull, I was thrown off a horse and knocked unconscious. Took the wind out of my sails, I can tell you. Were you drunk in charge of a horse? It's not a crime. I think you'll find it is. Anyway, in April 1786, I was made post-captain of a small frigate, the 28-gun Pegasus. We left for Newfoundland in June 1786. Ah, now there was a fabulous 21st birthday. I had a riotous party. Drunk again? I can't remember much, put it that way. Speaking of which, I see some of God Almighty's daylight in that glass, madam. Banish it! I can't remember how many glasses I've had. You're starting to sound like me. Where were we? We were sailing down to Bridgetown in Barbados. Bumped into Nelson again. Oh? We decided to spend our last night having a huge party. Yes, I have a report here that you did £700 worth of damage to a local brothel. I'm presuming that was property damage, not damage to the women. I remember throwing furniture out of the window. Batten down the hatches! <laughs> and yet they named a street there after you. Go figure. Do you know, there's a marvellous public house named after me. The one in Brighton? No. Uh, Tunbridge Wells? No. Dorking? Le Leatherhead? No, no. <sighs> Guildford? Hoxton? Uh, Kensal Green? No, no, no. St Albans? Uh, Norwich? Lincoln? Bedford? No. Gateshead? Halifax? Uh, Great Yarmouth? Uh, Braintree? Mansfield? 
No. I give up. I can see why you have so many named after you, though. You should be the patron saint of public houses. Nothing wrong with a little Dutch courage. A little? Someone wrote on your record, I never saw a man so completely drunk. That could have been anyone, to be honest. More grog? I can't see out of my left eye. I think I've had enough. Now, where did we get to? March 1788. I was in command of the 32-gun Andromeda on its way to Halifax in Nova Scotia. We returned in April 1789. On the 1st of May, I became the Duke of Clarence. Where is Clarence? No idea. I was then put onto the 74-gun Valiant. Clearly, they are like the cut of my jib because in December 1790, I was made a Rear Admiral. Uh-huh. And then Vice Admiral? Sadly, not until April 1794. You're very impatient for promotion, aren't you? I wrote to my father when the First Lord of the Admiralty was ill, suggested that I take over. And they wanted to make everything shipshape and Bristol fashion. Did it work? No. I was made Admiral of the Red in 1805, though. Only an honorary position, but still. I'm losing track of all these promotions. Uh, hang on. 1805 is the Battle of Trafalgar. So, where were you in relation to Nelson? I was... 47 places senior to him. 47? I didn't even know there were that many ranks. Are you sure you haven't made some up? No. In 1811, I was made Admiral of the Fleet. It's only given to members of the royal family, though, so not sure if that counts. I'll write it down anyway. Then in 1814, I was on the 100-gun Royal Sovereign, going over to France. It must be difficult to maintain a relationship when you're travelling so much. Because this is all before you married Queen Adelaide. Yes, we didn't marry until 1818. Before that, I was in a long-term relationship for over 20 years with Dora Jordan. Until she died in 1816. We had ten children together. Ten? Crikey. Any of them going into the Navy? My son Adolphus shows a natural inclination. He could be a rear admiral one day. Right. No more. I can't drink any more. Thank you. Carry on. In March 1823, I was made General of the Marines. You're in the Marines as well? Bloody hell. Uh, oops. May 1827, made Lord High Admiral. What's next? God of the Sea? Neptune himself? I was excluded from attending cabinet meetings. Oh. Didn't stop me making 63 promotions of captains and lieutenants in four weeks, though. That is a new Navy record. Then that devil, the Duke of Wellington, got his wish, and I left the Admiralty office in September 1828. He said the Navy was costing too much. Oh, dear. I told him to slay his hook. Goodness knows how he got to be Prime Minister. I'd give him a wide berth if I were you. I'll give him the boot. Get it? Boot. Wellington boot. <laughs> and then I became king in June this year. Hang on. Why do you need to claim your pension if you're king? Surely you have enough money at your disposal now. My poor finances are well known. I have extensive debts and my pension would go a significant way towards paying them. So, what's your verdict? Did I pass with flying colours? 
I'll be honest. If I tot up the calculations, there is a period of 51 years from entering the Navy at 13 to becoming king at 64. You did the adding up yourself? In that 51 years, you've been employed by the Navy for a total of 10 years, 9 months and 3 weeks. Yeah. And that includes the 2 years that you were landlocked in Germany. Yeah. Doesn't look good with my one eye. I was going to suggest turning a blind eye, but you've only got one left. <laughs> it's not funny. What about if I gave you an eye patch? I'm not a pirate. I'm heized. Can you call me a taxi? You're a taxi. How did we get on board a ship? The floor is swaying. Next time, it's Victoria and the bereavement counsellor. Get the tissues. The Lost Tapes of History podcast is a Synth 79 production. If you've enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to get more episodes. To fact check what you've heard on this monarch, visit our website losttapesofhistory.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at Synth79P and use the hashtag Lost Tapes of History.